Welcome to episode 153 of the Whatnots Review Show, where each week we pick a story and we talk about it. This could be a movie, TV series, anime, manga, comic book, audio drama, all kinds of entertainment. We watch it, read it, listen to it, and then we come back here and we talk about it. My name is Melissa Wilkinson, and I am joined, as always, by Kyle Springer. Good morning. How's it going? It's pretty good. I treated, I went to the store yesterday, I treated myself to a new throw pillow. Oh, there you go. Okay, okay. It's a circle. New pillows are It's very are exciting good. to have a different shape of pillow. Yes. New pillows are good indeed. I, uh, I had a good day yesterday. Got a lot of work done done we typically record cross play in the afternoons uh but we did mm-hmm. it yesterday morning because we had a guest on the show all the way from london ah. uh, so wow yeah we had to wake up early in the morning uh and we recorded at 10 a.m uh so that was good and then that night we cooked out some burgers and made some s'mores so it was oh, a good day s'mores Oh, yeah, s'mores oh, are great. s'mores time again. Mm-hmm. Yes. Have you ever tried putting different candies in s'mores besides a classic Hershey's bar? We were talking about that. Apparently, when my roommate went to go get the supplies, they had, you, you know, like an end table thing with all of the, the supplies out there. Mm-hmm. Like, this is how you make a s'more. And they had Reese's out <laughs> instead. Yes. Yes. And I was like, that makes sense. But I've never heard of that. This seems to be like I've a recent it. development in in the past like year or, or two that more people are talking about. It, it, it seemed to have been like a well-kept secret until now. Well, I've told people to do it, so I wasn't the one keeping the secret. <laughs> you could do anything. You could use a, a cookies and cream bar. Yeah. You could use a Hershey's gold bar. You could stick a, a, a wedge of... of Kit Kats in there. True. Maybe that's too much crisp, too much crunch, but you can certainly try it. Yeah. Good stuff. It is s'mores season nowadays. Mm-hmm. So there you go. It's still it's still it's a little bit chilly out today, but uh Yeah. I'm feeling good. Feeling good indeed. Melissa, what are we talking about yes. this week? <laughs> we are gonna talk about finally. A favorite film of mine that I've been trying to get you to watch for quite some time. Guillermo del Toro's 2013 robot monster epic, Pacific Rim. Oh, yeah. Pacific Rim. This is it's it's such a funny thing because, yeah, you've been trying to get me to watch this because I haven't seen it, which yeah. If you know me, I love Gundam stuff. So I like giant robots. I like all that stuff. And it's just like, Kyle, why haven't you seen mm-hmm. this film? Like, this seems like something you would enjoy or 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 like. Why? What what went wrong in your who hurt you? that You <laughs> haven't watched this film. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I, you've you've pitched it. I think once or twice here on the show. Yeah. Uh, and it just never got picked. Uh, and so you pitched it yet again. And so I was like, you know what? Finally, now is the time. Yeah. So that's what that's what I went with. Pacific Rim. This is my first time watching it. And what were your findings? It is a great popcorn flick. 
I I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I I yeah. I like I knew what to expect, but also didn't exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And and yeah, it 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 was a hell of a lot of colors and neon and stuff like that. So it looked pretty. It looked gorgeous. Yeah. Um, all of this CGI stuff is beautiful. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just a a, a, a big. Dumb robots fight big dumb monsters, and it's gr- great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, there there are some Good, things that I, I I was maybe a little disappointed in, uh, but I I, mm. I I think that's also me just kind of really being into the like giant mech genre. I was hoping it would have done yeah. a little more. Uh, but then again, it really is only a m- movie. So it's like, well, mm-hmm. I, I can see why they wouldn't have explored. Or, I, you know, maybe some of that stuff was cut, cut yeah. out um, when when it came time to making the, the, the film. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a good one. I, I, <laughs> I see why so many people enjoy this. Yeah, the only other giant robot title I'm into is The Big O, which is stylistically totally a complete opposite of Pacific Rim. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that that, that show The Big O is in, like, a league of its own. It's just so yeah. weird and out there that it's, it, yeah, it's... Yeah, the- <laughs> I mean, it, like, cause he, nobody else has made mech noir. It's it's <laughs> only that it's mech noir. You can kind of relate it to Batman, the animated series. You can yes. kind of relate it to Gundam. You can kind of relate it to like a just a crime noir story. Mm. Uh, but then there's just like weird metaphysical, like if philosophical yeah. stuff go going on. It's strange. But we're here to t- t- talk about Pacific Rim. Uh, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro, um, is the one that mm-hmm. directed this. I really only knew Idris Elba from the cast of like, oh yeah, Idris oh. Elba is in this one. Um, I mentioned it to someone else and they, they were like, oh yeah, that film with Charlie Day. And I was like, I yes. guess I don't really know who Charlie Day is, but yeah, he's in this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You've seen it, you know, you know the meme where he's making the big mail wall yeah. trying to find out who Pepe Silva is. Yeah, and yeah. He, he just shouts about spaceships and the Lego movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar very with, important w- role. With, with him, but, like, it was strange to me that that was instantly the, the thing that they, they attached he's, onto. Like, he's oh, very that, memorable that, that, in this. That Charlie Day movie, Pacific Rim. <laughs> and I was just like... I mean, I guess uh, like. <laughs> so, yeah, it was good. It was fun. It was fun indeed. Mm-hmm. Melissa, why is this one of your favorite movies? Uh, <laughs> it's so fun and it's so optimistic. Like it is a movie set in apocalyptic times. Sure. Yeah. And as Idris Elba says, this was a line they put in all the trailers. They are canceling the apocalypse and spoiler alert they do that like i like how this is a movie about a unified global front where everybody's got the same goal it's this otherworldly goal it's kind of like the world that ozymandias imagined like we're gonna have this otherworldly goal and then humanity will unite to fight against it and we will be better because we aren't fighting each other i i dig how positive it is i dig that 
spoiler alert, happy ending. I feel like it's okay to spoil it because that's the selling point of this movie for me. It's sort of this grungy, disastrous sci-fi that is not dystopian. It ends up not being a dystopia. Yeah. Which is rare, a good rare treat. Indeed. Indeed. Um, yeah, I, I, it, it was interesting to see the, like visual aesthetic of this film i've 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 seen gifs and stuff so i knew mm. what it looked like but now like actually get, getting to watch the movie um it was both more than i was expecting and like it, it, exactly what i thought it, it was yeah to, to all of the like ui of the technology and stuff all of the neon lights is overwhelming mm-hmm. in this film it is non-stop and <laughs> yes. it is particularly bright and colorful mm-hmm. um yes whereas i think if you go to other like cyberpunk kind of looking yes. stuff it is maybe a little more darker uh or uh not, not necessarily monotone but they they don't use as many colors uh in as many scenes um yeah but which is something watching this again last night, I realized is a major factor in why I like this movie so much. It's just so well lit. Like there aren't very many shadows. Every frame is so bright and colorful. You can always clearly see everybody. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because I, I like that. And then in, in my my mind, I, because it is so well lit and has all these bright colors, including Mm -hmm. these like, primary colors like neon is often very different from like primary colors and stuff yeah but they use lots of just like straight up blue and red and yellow to Mm. light their their stuff and it's uh it's a little bit strange because of how bright it is it makes me think it's going to be the like sleek sci-fi uh where things are Mm -hmm. shiny and there's like reflections on all the surfaces and you get a lot of that, but you also yeah. get the like real grungy, like hands in the dirt yeah. sci-fi, like we're building a giant robot and I'm the blue collar worker making it. Yes. Right? And there's dirt on my face and and stuff like that. And it's this it's this interesting mix because usually sci-fi does either or, mm-hmm. right? It's it's going to be yeah. that like super sleek, all white and chrome and and stuff like that or it's star wars where it's like okay everything looks like it's 50 years old um (laughs) so yeah yeah i dig the visual styling of this movie a lot it's it's well matched with the tone of the movie in that it is you've got a lot of different things for your eyes to play with there's lots to look at and even if it isn't bright and shiny, literally, it sort of has that feeling like everything's cool. <laughs> everything's exciting to look at. Mm-hmm. Even the grime, it feels like, I don't know, like lived in in a way that you do appreciate instead of like this. I don't want to go in that building. I know that's <laughs> like the Star Wars rebel base and they're good guys. But like, I don't want to be in that room with them. <laughs> yeah. I, I love the setting of the Shatterdome a lot. Uh, yeah, it also makes me happy. Cool. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Melissa, do you want to do a synopsis for people who might uh, not be familiar? In the future, which is now the past, (laughs) 
<laughs> I think in the movie they say that like in the year 2013, monster, which is the year the movie came out, monsters start arriving, mm-hmm. um, arising out of the deep beneath the Pacific Ocean and attacking major cities on the Pacific coastline. Sydney, the, the Seattle, Lima, to Hong Kong, Tokyo, everybody up and down there. Yeah. And it's uh, our movie starts in the year 2020. Hey, there we go. <laughs> At least we got out of there without any kaijus. That's something I'm proud of. Well, no well, kaijus last that year. That we know of. <laughs> the g- right. g- 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 <laughs> government c- could be keeping it secret. <laughs> and uh, we, We're in a future where... Again, which is the past. I keep thinking, I'm still in the headset I was when I first saw this movie, and I'm like, it's the future. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like a future, even though it is the past now. Uh, Humanity has built these giant mech suits to fight against these giant kaiju after they realized, we don't know why these guys are coming here, but they keep doing it. This is an ongoing problem. We need to have a solution. And as uh, our hero, uh, Raleigh Beckett, says, to fight monsters, we created monsters. So every 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 mech suit, every Jaeger, as it is called, mm-hmm. is piloted by uh, two or three human beings in a cybernetic link, where they can see and feel all of each other's memories, so yeah. that there's like no slowdown time. It's like we are reading each other. This is the most efficient way for us to work together and battle and fight that giant monster, so that it doesn't destroy Singapore or something. Yeah, yeah, and it's about uh, humanity's last-ditch effort to try and end these kaiju for good. And it's Raleigh teaming up with a, a young woman named Mako Mori for her first Jaeger mission. There you go. Yeah, that, that I, I think about sums it up. Um, it's a lot of fun. Like mm-hmm. I said, it's a good popcorn flick. Um, there's it's 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 hopeful, but there's there's also just not much to the plot. Like it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> of like, hey, kaiju's are at- attacking. We build mm. r- r- robots. We beat them up. How do we stop it? Yeah, yeah. That's it. There's a lot of world building. It's a very detailed movie. But you're right. The very basic logline of it, what each scene is about, is very easy to get. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, so I would go check it out if you have not. It's uh, I we rented it. Uh, I or at least I, I did because I, I don't own own the, the film. But I, I know there was a sequel uh, that came out a couple yes. years ago, uh, Pacific Rim Uprising. Uh, and then as we are recording this, I think just like a month or two ago, Netflix released an a- animated uh, series. Oh, right. I think it's a series uh, called Pacific Rim The Black. Um, and that, that is on Netflix uh, currently. So. There's more Pacific Rim out there if you guys want to go check it out. There is. I have not seen the sequel. I know it's like not supposed to be very good, but if I can get like a couple more scenes of Gottlieb and Geisler, that's worth the price of admission for me. I'll watch for just like five minutes of that. There you go. Uh, all right, let's do a little bit of housekeeping and then we'll dive into spoilers and start discussing mm-hmm. the film more in depth. If you guys did not know, we have multiple podcasts here at The Whatnots. 
You guys can find out more information on our website, thewhatnots.com, as well as your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Just type in The Whatnots and all of our shows will pop up right there. If you like what we do, do, do patreon.com slash The Whatnots is where you can support us uh, for as little as a dollar a month. And we have a $3 tier with all kinds of exclusive content. Uh, by the afternoon that I'm recording this, I'm going to double check and make sure that our latest thing is up there. We uh, went mm-hmm. back and checked in on our 2021 video game fantasy draft, which we started back in February. Uh, so we're checking in on that. We are bidding on some new g- 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 games. Uh, and it was a lot of fun to record that one indeed. Um, so be on the lookout for that and more down the road because I have an idea for what we should do next. I've mentioned it to Melissa and it involves yeah. bingo. <laughs> there you go. Get excited for bingo, you young kids. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Get your markers ready. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh, big shout out to our patrons at the $5 tier and above. So thank you, Sam, so much for supporting us. And thank you to Greg Thanks, Miller Sam. as well. Uh, which Thank you, new friend Greg. By the way, I need to uh, reach back out to Gare because at the tier he is at, if he wants, he actually has the ability to dictate something that we cover here Whoa. on the review show. Uh, so... Deep pockets, big boss, there Greg. There you go. Uh, yeah, so we'll we'll check back in with that. Uh, if you guys like live streams, you guys can go follow us on twitch.tv slash the whatnots. We are usually there each Wednesday night, Friday night, and Sunday afternoon. We record this podcast on Sundays, but for our live streams, I'm usually there playing Zelda, Breath of the Wild. Um, so go check that out. But that, I think, is about it for housekeeping. So, Melissa, let's get into Mm -hmm. spoilers. (laughs) Even though I already said they avert an apocalypse, but we don't know how they avert an apocalypse. Yeah, you guys don't know that yet. You you, you don't know the relationship between all the characters and all all how they set up the sequel and all of of that stuff. You you don't know yet. You don't know. Mm. Um, okay, where, where do I want to start? I, I think I'm going to start with maybe some of my disappointments so we can just get those okay. out of the way. Um, so this is a big, like I said, big, dumb robots fight mm. big, dumb monsters. And it's great. If you go in for that premise, you'll leave satisfied. Um, it, it's mm-hmm. it's wonderful in that regard. But being a fan of the like mecha genre um, mm-hmm. and uh, kaiju, not as much. I, I haven't seen as much of all of that stuff. But from what I understand with even the like kaiju genre, there there is yeah. there, there are certain tropes and certain things things in there that just weren't in this movie for mm-hmm. mechs especially gundam those shows have a very anti-war sentiment 
Um, and it is, it's, it's, it's not the like, Ooh, shiny robot. How cool. It's big. It's like, yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. This is a giant robot. That's not good. Uh, mm. this is bad. What have, what has humanity done? And mm-hmm. right. Like they have that line in there that, that you mentioned, like to fight monsters, we created monsters, but then they don't really mm. go about saying like, how are these things? Mon- like monstrous what is so bad ab- about these things i think i think just in that they're large and unnatural they're large and in charge yeah um yes and that that is something that's usually covered in the mech g- g- genre of just like the realities and the tra- tra- tragedies of war we got a little bit of that with what was her name mako right uh, yes. a little bit of that with her sto- her story but if this for example had been uh in I- 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 anime it probably would have gone more into her story um of of just like the realities of that and so I, I i was hoping for more things like that and i didn't get them um and i think from the kaiju side it's uh, from again from what I know of the like kaiju genre, which again is not much. The, the that whole phenomenon kind of grew out mm. of this idea of the, yeah. the nuclear bomb, and like it's this big scary thing that's coming to destroy the city. And I think we we mm-hmm. started to get some of that at the start when it did, did does the whole montage stuff. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was really neat. But then it stops after that, and then all of a sudden, it yeah, we just we we don't really get to see much of the destruction that's happening. It, it's it's now more of a boxing match. After, after that, which which again is beautiful to watch. All the mm-hmm. CGI is wonderful, um, but it's just it, it's just like I, I felt like it was missing something on both sides of that fight. I understand. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I this is a movie that I think it avoids a lot of the stuff you're talking about because. There's no question of the Jaegers being used for anything else than fighting kaiju. Like, they don't appear to be, a, like, there's no ideas that those could be a weapon of war against anything else. It seems like we live in a world where there is no interhumanity war. You know, there's, there's people who are upset with the government for trying to build, like, what if we build a coastal wall, just a giant wall, and we'll just yeah. box, you know... Box those kaijus out. They won't be able to get in. There were some really funny moments with the the, the wall of, of, of just like how things work in that world. We'll, we'll circle back around. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> to that. Man. Okay. Yeah. Like there is some uh, uh, some discourse among the humanity, but this is a very interpersonal story. Mm-hmm. We're following like an immediate group of characters who are just focused on survival. Like, there's not room in their lives right now for larger philosophical issues about what will become of humanity after these events. They're like, we just got to get these kaijus out of here. We have to understand them, learn what they're about, and get them to go away. And that's all we can focus on is that and our, like, immediate familial relationships. Like, we can't think on a global scale right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, 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 mm-hmm. it, it is, like... 
it's not necessarily mixing genres because they're they're both so similar that it's just like well mm-hmm. yeah they're they're both right there um but yeah like i i think at the end of the day it is just a, like a it, it, it it's a spectacle and it, it's just yeah. like you're supposed to watch it for that of just like let's just let's just watch these things fight like let's just be in be in awe of these things going at it and punching and and fighting um mm-hmm. and i think because of that it has to cut out a lot of that stuff that i was kind of disappointed to not see but i think mm-hmm. it does it in a good way like i yeah i personally might be a little disappointed but what i got was also very good um mm-hmm. and so i'm not like i i, I don't necessarily feel like oh there was this big hole in the middle of the film that mm. like something was wrong now i release the del toro cut i need to see the you, no. know, you know there's no. there's nothing like that um but i i also think this story could have been a million other things like i i feel like yeah th- this i i feel like mako c- could have been the main character this could have been her story. This it almost is, yeah. Almost, she's like a very close second lead to not. Raleigh. Raleigh's just the one we meet earlier, yeah. yeah. And for Raleigh, too, he is what we would call the main character or the protagonist. Mm-hmm. But it's also not really his story at the end of the day. Yeah, and it's not Idris Elba's k- 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 character. Like, it's not his story necessarily. Mm-hmm. It, there, there, there is this like budding romance between Raleigh and Mako, and it's not a romance no. st- st- story. Yeah, and I, it's a friendship story. It's explicitly like just a deep platonic friendship story. It, it, well, there is that one scene at the end that, that like James Bond esque, where they just like hug each other and rest their foreheads against each other. It's a very intimate moment. Yeah, you can. You it can is see intimate, some... but it's platonically intimate. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's a door open there for something to develop, but within the scope of this film, right. Ex- yeah, never gets there. Exactly. But this also could have been. Like, Im- imagine this as, like, a budding romance story in the midst of this kind of world. Yeah. That'd be fascinating. I would w- watch mm-hmm. that. That'd be yeah. incredibly interesting. But it's not. Like, it, it's that's not what we, we <laughs> got. This f- film very much knows what it wants to do, and it did that. Yeah. Uh, and I think that is yes. a strength of, of the the helm there so that's that's kind of my disappointments in a Mm. nutshell of like it could have been Mm. this it could have been that we didn't get any of those things it doesn't really go down some of the tropes of the mecha or kaiju genres Mm -hmm. but instead it's just this fun popcorn yeah it's a it's a feel good action movie yeah like i watched this movie and i feel better and i feel like if it uh if it touched on some of these issues you've talked about that Gundam focuses on, it wouldn't have that same emotional resonance with me. Like, it wouldn't be a movie. It would be a movie I would still intellectually appreciate, but yeah. I wouldn't turn to it in times when I need comfort. <laughs> right, like, that's yeah. what the movie yeah. wanted to be, was comforting. Like, we're not going to talk about the larger issues. You're going to watch, like, two scientists yell at each other. 
Which you're gonna watch a, a girl and a guy fight with sticks, and then they're best friends, and they pilot a robot around. Yeah, and I I, I mentioned like if this was in I- 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 anime, but it also kind of is. Like when you look at the characters, yes. they're so incredibly over the like they're they're almost caricatures. So some of them absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely they are, and you can see. If this was animated, they really wouldn't change a thing. Like, no, <laughs> this would be those characters, especially Charlie Day's character. Like, he's just he's bananas. Like, what is going on with him? What is uh, what's the what's the guy he g- 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 goes to? What's that actor's name? Hannibal Ron Chow. Perlman, right? Is is that him? Is that Ron? Yeah, Hannibal Chow. Yeah, and he talks about how he he took the name from his favorite historical character and his second favorite Szechuan restaurant in Brooklyn. You can just see him in animated form. Like that, he is an anime character. And I think Mm -hmm. because of that, it makes the the movie fun to watch. Um, Now, it, it, it was also Guillermo del Toro who did the Hellboy movies. Am I correct yes it reminds me a lot of that it like there's there's a lot of richness in the detail of Mm -hmm. the world there um and just like the clothing and the like stylings of their fashion and and stuff like that i love the outfits in this movie yeah okay yeah that's yeah it's it's absolutely the last thing I, I, I was going to uh-huh. say is, like, in a weird way, I would maybe put this up there as, like, a double feature with Attack the Block. Because yeah. that was one of our comments with Attack the Block is, like, this is such an anime. Like, it's a live action <laughs> anime. Like, it, yeah. it, like, that's just what it is. And mm-hmm. this is almost that same thing. I think you could put these back to back and it'd be like yeah that Mm -hmm. that that makes sense that that fits so Mm -hmm. there you go yeah when i first saw this movie i had a lot of fun like this was a movie i i really loved from the beginning my only disappointment was that we see those other jaeger pilots who are the uh the the chinese triplets who pilot crimson typhoon and that russian couple that pilots cherno alpha like, those guys seem so cool. And then they, like, never say anything. Yep. We just see them around and they, they die later. Right? Like, that's the, that's, that's the thing. Again, if this was an anime, we would see a little bit more of them. We'd see a little bit more mm-hmm. of the, like, the training academy where, you, you, you know, they build yeah. these relationships up. And it's just like that. That didn't make it into the, the film. It knew the story it wanted to t- tell. And it didn't include them, so. <laughs> and I, I saw this movie with my my older brother, who's much more into action movies than I mm-hmm. am. Outside of like superheroes, I don't. I really don't get very much into like the action genre. And he's like, no, that's like a really normal thing to do. Is that you see like interesting looking characters in the, you know, that fill out the group of commandos, and they never do anything, and they don't last the movie. It's like, yeah, I'm used to that. Yeah, I mean, think about Star Wars back in the yeah. day, which it sure is an action film, maybe less so to today's standards, but uh, 
I, I was about to say Django Fett. It's Boba Fett. Yes. He was nothing. Like, he just stood there and looked neat. Yeah. And he was like, everyone fell in love with him, right? So... Yeah, uh, maybe in Pacific Rim the Black, you get to see more of them. I don't know. Who yeah. Knows? Wow, like that's, this movie is so lush and you can see a thousand opportunities in it. And like, I love everything that's in it. And that's the only uh, disappointment is like, I'd love if it was also this. Like this movie, it's two hours and 11 minutes long. And I looked it up to see how much you know time I had to plan around watching it yesterday. And I could have sworn it was shorter than that because it feels very well paced. Yeah. It does not feel long at all. But I would love the like five hour mini series, limited series event where I learn about everything. Yep. <laughs> we spend 30 solid minutes on Tendo Choi. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun because they're, do- they're doing some interesting stuff. Like I, I would love mm. to see now that the humans have kind of gotten used to kaiju appearing periodically there's this like underground market of like hey i want kaiju parts or kaiju meat yeah. or kaiju medicine or kaiju male enhancements uh and, <laughs> uh, like uh, yeah like that stuff is fascinating like how has that changed the rest of humanity, the ones that aren't pilots and aren't in the military. Like, how has that yeah, changed things for them? We don't see any civilians in this movie. It's entirely really? yeah. the people who are like in the business of fighting kaiju. Yeah. You know, we've got all the, the we've got the scientists and the pilots and the technicians. And then we only get as far out as Hannibal Chow, who's the dealer of the uh, kaiju remnants. Yeah. yeah. Um. I want to talk about and what's what's this character's name? Let's see here. Uh Stacker Pentecost. Marshall yep. Stacker Pentecost. What a great name. Uh played by Idris Elba. Um Yeah, so I he he I think was an interesting character, right? Cuz he is the like hardened like hey, I've been mm-hmm. there and done that, but now I'm the general. Like I'm the one with experience experience but he has this thing where he keeps taking pills did i miss Mm -hmm. it did they explain that yeah yeah towards the end he says that he was one of the first jaeger pilots and in the early days like they were worried about just can we build these things to fight like they weren't as worried about pilot safety and he was getting all this radiation and like he had to do some fight where like his co-pilot died and he had to finish the fight himself and it took such a tax on him that he's got yeah he's got this uh okay, okay. biological you know like he's sick he's dying that's what he why he keeps getting nosebleeds and taking pills and he tells raleigh if i step back into a jaeger i'm dying that experience is going to overload me and kill me i gotcha okay i i must have yep. missed that some some how because i saw that I didn't think much of it at the start, but they do like when you first see him take that pill, they linger on that. Like they make sure to mm-hmm. show you that he is taking these pills. Uh, and then there's a scene where 
I think he's he's taking another one and you see his like finger or something and then his nail is like falling off or or, or something. Mm-hmm. Um and so you're just like, "Ooh, okay. That's weird. Something is happening." And then Charlie Day's character does this thing where he like mind melds. He has his brain his brain blast with these kaiju and he also starts to have very similar symptoms he starts to have like his Mm. eye is bloodshot and it like it just it looks like there is some kind of internal decay right of like something Mm. is happening it's not good and so in my mind i was like oh shit they've done this before like Idris Elba oh, has no. like mind melded with one of these things and he knows some of their secrets and he's not saying. And then, yeah, I, I guess I just missed it and was just like, they never talked about that, huh? But I, I guess they did. So <laughs> No, it's it's radiation sickness. And what happens to uh, to Newton Geisler is that, he, yeah, he, he does the mind meld with a kaiju, which is the same thing that the pilots do to each other. Right. And due to the Jaeger. And the reason why you have two pilots, or in the case of the Way triplets, there's three of them. Uh, and they've got a cool three-armed Jaeger. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, one of the arms is just coming from, like, below the other arm. It's real lopsided. I think that design is fascinating. Uh, he, the kaiju is, like, too much of a neurological load for him. That's why he's, like, so shaken up after the first time he does it and why Herman Gottlieb has to do it with him the second time. Yeah. They're like, we, you won't get sick if we do it together, if we share that neurological load to talk to the kaiju. Yeah. So I, 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 yeah, I, I guess just missed that, that scene. So that, that is one of the things I was like, what was happening there? What, what went on with that? <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I, 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 I did get the sense that, yeah, he was an older pilot. If he got back in, this would be his last thing. Or he had at least some yeah. like traumatic event that is stopping him from, getting back in there or at least functioning as a pilot Mm. um Mm. and yeah i i really enjoyed that i really liked amako's story um i i I liked that like father-daughter relationship uh yeah between uh idris between stacker pentecost and mako um that i think was a really interesting story and like i said could have been the main focus about here is this mm-hmm. survivor uh, who has a, her, her, you know, her family was k- killed in this attack and is now being raised by a, an, another pilot. And so she has these aspirations to become a pilot, but he wants to keep her safe because the rest of her family mm-hmm. has already died. And, all you know, yeah. like there's there's this natural t- tension there um that i i I thought was very very good so yeah i i like that uh he has very clear reasons for wanting to keep her safe because it it's proven that he's well he was in an earlier model of jaeger that they don't Mm -hmm. make anymore he had to do a solo fight but still it's proven that you this could kill you like it could kill you in an immediate battle or it could make you sick and slowly kill you for the rest of your life. Right. He like does not want to put her in that situation after she's already been through so much. And I also wonder if part of it is that he has to be this like 
stone cold leader for everybody. And if something happened to Mako, he would crumble. And he's, I think he may be worried. What kind of leader am I then? Like, I can't put myself in a situation that vulnerable because the people need a leader who is not vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's. I, I feel like it's the thing where he really, really wants to get back out there and pilot, mm. but he can't. And so the mm. I, I think, yeah, he's then turning to, okay, well, let me just help Mako survive. If I can do that, yes. then I have, I have proven myself useful or successful or something. Mm. Um, and yeah. which is I, I, then I think why he's scared to let her – go out there and be a pilot and mm. he's just like i i don't want you to do that because i know what it did to me and i know those mm. pressures but she's just like i'm fucking good i got this i know how to do it i i'm, I'm the <laughs> yeah, best one here yeah. so and i like that uh raleigh says something about how they don't have to obey him and she says it's not about obedience it's about respect mm. like this is you know, a father, a role model, a mentor, and her commander, everybody's commander. Like, she doesn't agree with him, but you can see that she does understand and respect his ruling. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> She's like, I get that he has his reasons. I'm not happy with it, but he's my dad and my commander, and I, I guess I have to go along with this, and maybe I'll get another chance. Fair enough. Um yeah. I would so the the whole mind melding thing. Let's let's talk a little bit more about that. That that the drift. I, yeah, that is not necessarily unique to the genre, but I think it was a defining mm-hmm. feature of this film um, when yeah. when they when they put this out there. There was like like the the original trailers. They show that stuff, and immediately my mind went to like ddr and stuff of like these synchronized <laughs> d- 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 dances and, oh, okay. and, All and right. st- yes. stuff like that uh but it's it's an interesting concept right that the they're not like using joysticks or like handles on the side to pilot these mechs or pedals but it is this connection to the like it, it, yeah it's, it's this mental connection to the pilot and the way the pilot moves mm. is how the mech moves there but the connection it like has to be a certain strength or is so overwhelming yeah. to a single p- p- person that they have to find two people that can handle that mm. load but those people need to be compatible with one another um yeah, and they don't Which is really why we, explain that. Of like, what do you mean by compatible? What like is this like a twenty three and Me thing or, or, or the, <laughs> the the whole like? We have seen that most of the pilot teams are people who already have a strong relationship. Yancey, um, uh, Raleigh did this with yeah. his brother Yancey. Yeah, we've mostly seen siblings or like we've got uh, Herc and Chuck, which is a father and son. We've got that that Russian couple. But it seems like it is possible to do it because I don't think. When Stacker Pentecost talks about his old partner, that that was somebody who uh, had a pre-existing relationship with him besides being, you know, a, a, a battle partner. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, it's about you know, somebody who we have a very close bond with or if not, you know, a long standing relationship like that. Somebody who you feel like you click with very quickly mm-hmm. because that's what this is about is we need to 
get ourselves as closely aligned as possible so that we can be more closely aligned with the Jaeger and fight this kaiju like as efficiently and effectively as possible. We can't let it get that far. We can't let it destroy anything. Yeah. We need to take this out now. Yeah. It's it's interesting because you see something very similar in G Gundam. Uh, which is okay. one of the ones that was on Toonami back in the day. And it's it's a singular series that's not tied to any of the other Gundam series where each nation basically has a has a Gundam and they have a representative that then mm. goes, I think, to a I, I don't remember if it was another planet or like a certain section of the world and they all fight. And it's this like big battle royale that happens once a year happens once a year. Um Mm-hmm. And they have a thing where, yeah, like you get in this suit and it's the movements of the pilot, like the physical movements of the pilot inside the machine is what the machine d- 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 does then. Uh, and then in a more recent Gundam in Iron Blooded Orphans, they are seated and using pedals and and stuff like that but uh gundam pilots have these like spinal implants where they can like plug mm-hmm. things in the the the, yeah. the the back and it has a heightened connection to this mach- machine um and then e- 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 even in neon genesis evangelion there is this idea that like the mechs are kind of alive uh, and they mm-hmm. are like you are kind of meshing with them. You have to be compatible with this machine and you have to work at that and maintain that connection. Um, but yeah, I like I, I thought this one was neat because it's it that I, I think in most mecha stuff like that is a very traumatic experience of like mm-hmm. connecting with this machine or this monster in yeah. some way so yeah they solve that kind of by being like what if there's more people to spread that load yeah. out on and I, I i think that was a neat way to do that my one yeah gripe with that is more of a, a the way they depicted it in that mm-hmm. they were often moving faster than the mech was moving <laughs> and so i'm like yeah like like there's the the scene where the like the mech is walking out into the water and yeah i get that the Water would make you move slower. Like I, I've, you know, mm-hmm. we've all been to the the beach and you start walking out there, and it's like I'm walking mm-hmm. a little slower than I normally do because the, you know, the current. But it shows them on the inside, and they are walking like twice as as fast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was just like, that's a little strange. Like I thought this would be like one to one. But it's not necessarily. So what does that mean for like punching and stuff like that? Do they have to punch twice to like do a single <laughs> punch? Is it like ha ha? And the mech's just like whoa, boom. 
I don't know, but that that was just one one small thing. I was like, weird. (laughs) I didn't think about that part closely enough. I do love the the setup of them inside the Jaeger cockpit, how their feet are like locked in. Mm -hmm. Like, I think about that every time I would go to the gym and get on an elliptical machine. Like, I want the Pacific Rim experience, which is probably similar to what they did to make that work, to make them move Mm. in tandem. Right. Is they had Mm -hmm. their feet locked into some kind of elliptical machine and they just like, okay and play. And it just. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's neat. Neat stuff for that. Yeah. I I dig the the world building of this movie. How much work has gone into everything that's happening. Uh, Talking a bit uh, to go back to what we were talking about a bit earlier with the state of the world. They talk about and Raleigh's like opening. Okay, this is the world now. This is what's happening. Spiel talks about how Jaeger pilots became like rock stars, like celebrities. Yeah. And that then the Kaiju kind of became like a sports opponent or something like they were personified and they've become these like characters. Like there is a shot of somebody dressed in like a big Kaiju suit, you know, on a late night talk show. There's Mm. like. Uh, there's like somebody's made two sneakers and it seems like one's Jaeger themed and one's Kaiju themed like Romeo blue versus hardship. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like they've, they've turned him into uh, like these characters to sort of be personified, which is uh, not something they get more into, but it's, it's very interesting. And I can see how that's something to, distract the public but like keep them comforted give them something to think about you know if we can turn this giant scary monster into just like a little plush guy with a silly name like that makes it feel like like we own him we can defeat him like yeah. he's just a passing thing in our lives well like they, they this they is something said they got really good, good good at beating these things like they, yeah. they were like yes. we got this like if, yeah. if, if they pop, pop up we'll you know we'll be good so yeah i think they were afforded this like sense of safety of like, yeah. hey, if one pops up, we can, yeah, let's make some action figures out of it. Let's get some good pictures and, you know, make some plush toys and like, it's going to be on UFC 96, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's just, <laughs> there's this commoditization. Yeah. And it reminds me of, we all know specifically what the coronavirus germ looks like. We've seen that. And like, I'm sure there's been people who are like, I did a needle point of coronavirus. Mm-hmm. I did a, a felt doll of coronavirus to feel like I've made you. Yeah. Like, how big can you be if I can like make you out of clay and sell you on my Etsy shop? Like, right. You're something I can overcome. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, they've got Jaeger pilots is these uh, more like heroes. It didn't seem like it was a world where they're like here on the red carpet. We have Raleigh and Yancey Beckett. Like they're not celebrities like that. They're celebrities like how we would have a, a Dr. Fauci now. Like this person's on the news all the time being talked to in all of these different circumstances. Like, how do you do what you do? Thank you for being out there on the front lines, like helping us. And they're just somebody who's like an an icon for the public to look at and uh, personify and memeify or do whatever just to build this they s- comfort system around them. They seemed more like athletes to me, like, like, yes, that yes, c- c- like c- Olympians, that kind of celebrity. Yeah. Where, 
They're yeah. probably going to be recognized in public. People are going to have their favorites. They're going to have posters on the wall, 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 mm-hmm. wall and stuff like that. They might be out there signing autographs at certain events and stuff like that. But we also don't really see that side. They mention it. Yeah. But it's like, hey, these guys are yeah. actually out on the front lines fighting. Um, so they mm-hmm. might not have as it's much a, time for that. Yeah. But, it's another element that could be spun into its own entire story, but it's just like, here's one minute's worth right. of background Which for you. Is it's it's interesting that you bring that up because I that was another thing I was kind of expecting out of this movie, especially with the way they kind of come out of ta 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 commoditize i'm not even sure if that's a a word (laughs) um but i was expecting a certain kaiju to be the antagonist like uh scar oh he keeps coming back and we just (laughs) we we can't beat scar and like they've named him scar because he's survived so many of these fights and he has this big scar right and it's just like yeah it's it's not and like you all like the kaiju are just kind of these throwaway things as the kaiju they're like hurricanes like each hurricane shows up it's got a new name you can draw these parallels between this and a hurricane last year but they're not actually related right yeah they're not really in a series they're just happening chronologically yeah that's that's what i was expecting especially when they mind melded with that kaiju and they got the impression that's like hey these guys aren't just coming here randomly like they they were ordered to come here something we don't explore all that much that means there is someone in charge uh Mm -hmm. you know there who is like okay and attack go now you jim go attack earth um (laughs) a kaiju named jim man okay Uh, (laughs) um yeah, but like I, I was expecting something more like, oh, now the later is is coming, and he's yeah. gonna be like he's three times the their size, and he's <laughs> gonna be the one that is gonna be the big final fight. And it was just, it was no, it was just a, a another kaiju, unnamed, bigger than the other ones. He's a like bit. a category five. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, 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 it like I was expecting it not to be personified, right? But to mm. to have a little bit more of the like, ah, oh, here's Scar, here he is again, right? Like, <laughs> did, did you see what he did to Tokyo back in 2022? Mm. Man, wild, yeah, right? <laughs> I think for them to know which one is the like. They don't know which one is the leader. That's one of the the threats that they're living under is we really don't understand kaiju. Like we can do these biological studies on them and these mathematical models. Like I think Gottlieb's talking about how we're due for a dual event soon. The way these patterns have been going, like we're going to have two kaiju at once soon. Mm-hmm. Like they don't know when they're taking out the leader. They don't know when they're taking out like the Omega of the Kaiju. Like they're like, it's just another one. We just have to keep fighting it. We don't know how much bigger they get. We don't know how much smarter they get. They're just here. They're always here. We have to just 
get up and punch them down in a loop every single time over and over again until we yeah they stop <laughs> yeah so i mean i yeah it's just it's another one of those things where they kind of bring it up and then they just don't talk mm-hmm. about it and stuff like that yeah. which going talk- off of 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 that mm-hmm. they mentioned that these kaiju like they've been here before and it was the dinosaur whores. Mm. And they were like, ah, yeah, Earth isn't ready. Um, and so I, I guess something that they didn't mention that in my mind, I think I would have maybe at least brought up in the writer's room is, is like, hey, if these kaiju are so difficult to like do the mind meld with what if we get their ancestors right like some of the animals that we have Mm -hmm. here on earth like can can we start smaller and work up that way build an immunity or can we read their ancestors thoughts through the 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 ones that we Mm -hmm. have now like let's just get a chicken and mind meld with a chicken right and now now (laughs) now we know what velociraptors were thinking back in the day you know okay yeah like i uh, that's something i didn't necessarily need to see in there but it's an interesting thought that they were just like they were the dinosaurs and then they just don't mention it again it's just Mm -hmm. like there's there's so many opportunities in in this to to, to, to just go in every direction. Yeah, and it's just like, and I like I I don't feel like this was incomplete. Yeah, I I don't know how they <laughs> pulled it off, but by God, they did. <laughs> to talk about the personification of the kaiju. A moment in this movie that sticks with me is when we meet Newt, and he's like covered in tattoos. And like Herman calls him a kaiju groupie. And he's like, yeah, I got this tattoo to, to represent this guy. He's one of my favorites. And like everybody's sort of like rolling their eyes at him. Yeah. And, and Raleigh is the line where it's like, yeah, you you don't want to see those things up close. Like they're, I like that everybody looks at Newt and they're like, you're in as rough of a situation as we are. This is your coping mechanism. We see that and we can't, we'll make fun of you. We'll roll our eyes, but like, we can't really tell you to stop your coping mechanism to get through an apocalypse. Yeah. I, I, I think he's, he's so much of a fanatic in a yes. good and bad way. Like in, he, he's, in a helpful way, ultimately. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, he is a fanatic that he's getting tattoos mm-hmm. and stuff. And that's maybe a little weird. It's like, why are you idolizing these things? That's strange. But like you said, at the end of the day, he's really just wanting like he's fascinated he's fascinated by them and just wants to study them so that he can help out and and be like hey let's beat them and and Mm -hmm. stuff like that but yeah he's like he's dedicated his life to studying them and just being like this is it this is me i'm gonna know everything about them oh my god you got the parasite those don't live how did you get that what you know (laughs) So. It's wild. You said life's work. I think at the time, I think this movie takes place in like 2025 and they mentioned that the start in 2013. So 
these these are all people that were on completely different pathways in life and then like 12 years ago had to take a sharp pivot right and there's like no going back to whoever they were before yeah it's kind of fascinating um I, i i i i did like the dynamic between him and I don't remember the g- g- guy's name, his <laughs> other partner. Herman Gottlieb. I, I know everybody's name. I know every Jaeger's name. I, 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 I mean, you know me. I'm terrible with names, yeah. but it's, especially in this, I, I don't I don't re- remember any of the names for all the Jaegers and stuff like that. But yeah, I think they were another odd couple uh, in in the movie that was also caricatures and I, I could see them yes. absolutely being the comedic relief in the anime of this so yeah fascinating stuff i love them so much i love that kotlieb is an act like such a cartoon of like an old man he reminds me of my like old writing professor i had in college who's like in his 80s and shuffles in every day with a cane, except if he was really high energy and manic and fussy instead of just like, uh, read this play and and write me read 500 words about it. Write me 500 words. <laughs> like, Godly, he's such an old man. He's an absolute old man. But Bern Gorman's like 36. <laughs> It's he's, so he's, funny to me. He's, he's the like 36, like young 30s-ish. Yeah. That feels like he's 13, which is absolutely me yeah. as yeah. I have all my like Power yes. Rangers action figures behind me and street yeah. sharks and, <laughs> and stuff like that. Mm, he feels like both a, a, a private schoolboy and that private schoolboy's headmaster. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love that they've. Like, they've literally done, like, the sitcom tape line through the middle of their laboratory. <laughs> he, like, oh doesn't God. want anything to do with nude. He's so frustrated that he has to work with him. But then at the end, he's like, I'm not going to let you, you know, mind link with that kaiju alone. I'm going to do this with you. And Newt, like, holds out his hand for, like, a hand clasp. And he can't figure out what to do with it. It's just them, like, ambiguously <laughs> slapping hands together for a couple seconds. <laughs> Funny stuff. Speaking <sighs> of funny stuff, I mentioned I would yes. circle back around to some of the logic in the way the like yeah. buildings and giant wall works. Uh, so this isn't funny in like a haha good joke uh, yeah. way, but just like they didn't really think this one through, huh? Um, th- so the world is trying to build this giant wall to like keep the Uh kaiju out like there is this like portal where they are all coming from and and so they're like maybe we can like wall it off or at least protect the borders of our country yeah and yeah that thing just walks right through the wall like it's yeah nothing. it takes it an hour it it, <laughs> it it just like it's it like you've you've seen the like sports games where they have the like paper like thing where it's like go rams <laughs> and it, like they just run right through and it t- 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 yeah. tears that's what that thing is to the <laughs> to the kaiju <laughs> however when they're in the city fighting you you'll mm-hmm. see the the Jaeger toss it into a b- 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 building 
And it's the building is totally fine. It just like stands up. There might be like, okay, like the top floor got all messed up and, you know, the mm-hmm. windows got smashed out. But they built that building better than they built that wall. Like how how have they not just just no. just a row of buildings just make a bunch well, of skyscrapers and they they'd be stuck like how how, well, how like does I, that happen like i said it takes that kaiju an hour to break through that wall it might be a different kaiju maybe it's more like a rhino with like a horn and it can like jut and break against that thing and maybe the kaiju that uh you know raleigh and mako are fighting is a different type of kaiju who's not as hard yeah, and destructive yeah, I guess, I you guess. know it's just, they're just throwing it against a skyscraper for one second instead of it consciously like battling against a wall like i get what you're talking about yeah there should be more there should be like the man of steel level destructions happening and there is not i mean don't don't get me wrong there is a lot of destruction in mm-hmm. these fights and 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 stuff like that but there was another scene where one of the kaiju uh, j- just I-, I I don't remember if it was like a like a unicorn style horn or uh-huh. he had like a sharp part of his beak, but just pressed his ho- 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 horn through the yeah 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 Jaeger like it was nothing. Just like this thing was mm-hmm. a hot knife going through going through butter and and you just you don't see more it's like was that jaeger just really weak is this a specialty of that (laughs) monster like what is going like yeah why why isn't like they seem like they're not built to fight these things if it can do that oh my god like (laughs) like this thing had no problem at all with it and it was just like well they okay i guess they're just not gonna explore that or mention it and that's fine yeah i was just like this is kind of silly (laughs) yeah like there's so many kaiju and like i think we see four main jaegers in this movie and there have been other jaegers that have been destroyed yeah uh and like they talk about how there have been various generations of jaeger they have different um they have different properties to them, different strengths. I mean, point of like, hey, there was that like EMP thing, but yours is nuclear, which is why it can still work. Yes. So, yeah, you know, do all that stuff. Yeah, they could go a lot more into like the specific strengths of each Jaeger beyond just like this is the one we keep in Sydney. This is the one we keep in Hong Kong. Yeah, um, I, I I think what I'm trying to get at is that. Th- yeah, we don't know much about the kaiju. We don't know if there's different yeah. species of them. We saw some that could fly. We saw some that could swim underwater and stuff. But like, does that like how different does that actually make them? Are, are is their skin yeah. a similar consistency? Do they have like shielding skin? Like, are are there bones mm-hmm. really dense or or something like we do we don't know yeah. that stuff and so yeah it just mm-hmm. it seems a little inconsistent when when you see that like well that one just walked right through through the wall but that one can't can't even knock down that building and that one just cut right through that jaeger how does they fight that like what what's going on here um but it, it would still just it's big dumb f- 
for fun. And it's not it's not stuff that you, yeah. you really need to think about. That's just me nitpicking. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it, 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 yeah, it's just like, oh, yeah, good fights. Good fights. Yeah, I don't indeed. I don't watch it for the logic. I watch it for the look of the film. <laughs> uh, I love the characters and I love the how lush this world building is, even if it kind of nudges open the door to something and never gets farther through that door. And you're like, but I want to see what's behind the door. Yeah. It's behind door number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, this I, I think this series has a lot of really good potential for more series. Um, I mean, like we mentioned, it already got a sequel. I don't remember that doing particularly well. Uh, yeah. But it was still like, I, I, I think People are still interested in Pacific Rim enough that, like we said, that there's now a Netflix uh, thing mm-hmm. with that. So they, they are making more Pacific Rim. So that is at least good to see that's like, hey, there's still interest in this property. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's not not necessarily going away. So, yeah. It's, it's a movie I will cherish for years. Gather the grandchildren around. Uh, sit on Granny's knee, and I'll tell you the story of Mako Mori. There you go, indeed, indeed. <laughs> uh, let's see. Did you, uh, did did you have a like a favorite moment or a favorite line in there? Was there a particular scene that stood out to you of just like, oh, that's delightful. I like this. I don't know. Oh, we haven't talked about the uh, the Australians and their dog. That's oh, just yeah. a good dog. Just shout out to that dog. I don't remember if he has a name. Yeah. <laughs> he's good. I like that he's their logo and like he's got like a, I don't know, something like a kaiju or something in his mouth and like he's painted on the outside of their Jaeger. Yeah. Kaiju plush toy. I wonder if they, do they have the, the dog in here? No. There isn't an IMD listing for the dog. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like I I had a blast with this film. Mm-hmm. I think my one of my favorite scenes of the movie was when what's Charlie Day's character's name again? New- N- Newton Geisler. Yeah. <laughs> Newton Geisler. That's where it is. I, I, I see it here. Yeah, just his childlike wonder when he steps into that like secret underground lab drug ring yeah. thing i don't know and he's yes. just like yeah whoa i guess like, <laughs> he's a kid in a candy shop and yeah like i i think that was a really cool not tw- twist but a really good expansion on that universe yes. that was i think one of like like that they didn't need to go down that road i think that road I I I think like we said, this movie is paced really well, and then plants a whole bunch of seeds mm-hmm. for all these things that it could do. But this is one that they planted with, and then saw it kind of sprout of of yeah. of of like it's almost a B plot, but it's yes. not because it is also the A plot of just like how mm-hmm. do we stop these 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 big monsters but getting to see him in just in this candy shop so to speak right Mm -hmm. was just like oh this is (laughs) delightful i like this (laughs) 
And I like that for being the shady criminal, Hannibal Chow is also pretty smart. And he realizes if you yeah. linked with the kaiju, it linked back to you. Like they, you mentioned yourself, it's all a hive mind. Right. So even if that kaiju's dead, the ones that are alive know to look for you. And like there's a kaiju attack and he gets thrown into this like underground bunker with all of these other citizens off of the street. And like, he's like, it's coming for me. And it's one of the other people's like, yeah, it's coming for all of us. And he's like, he's like no, no don't understand. it's coming for me. And then like we see everybody else's dialogue and subtitles because it's there in Hong Kong. And when the subtitles is somebody yelling, it's after the little guy. <laughs> like, Push him out. Get him out of yeah. here. <laughs> and then that like fluorescent tongue comes to like get him. That's yeah. a fun scene. Yeah. And, and you can absolutely t tell it's like him trying to act as this like CGI uh -huh. nothing thing because <laughs> he's just in this like strange position yeah. of being like oh, oh, oh god like, what's happening entirely back <laughs> yes <laughs> it's kind of silly um oh. but the, yeah like that monster i i guess gets dist distracted or something because it like licks him and senses him and then mm -hmm. it's just like all right something else and it's like okay that didn't really go anywhere <laughs> Uh, but that's yeah again that's another thing like they're looking for him does that mean they're smarter does that mean they know what we know about the kaiju like yeah just something that they don't explore and just like huh many questions many qu questions indeed um but yeah I, I i i liked that scene a lot i i didn't necessarily fall in love with his character, but I like him. He's likable, I, but he's just a little too, too much. I, I love a quirky scientist. I love a guy in the chair like Tendo Choi, I think is his name, is the guy with like the suspenders and the bow tie and like the rosary wrapped around yeah. his wrist. He's great. <laughs> I love all of these very larger than life technical side characters in any story like this it's what i aspire to be there you go the woman in the chair <laughs> yes um there you go i don't know if i have much else to say on pacific rim it was a lot of fun just beautiful it is. looked great yeah yeah and like i said i love the the tone of it i like how positively it ends like they do well i guess they haven't totally done it because there's a sequel uh but <laughs> as far as we know when pacific rim 2013 ends they vanquish the kaiju and they can pick up the pieces and move on with life and teamwork did it yeah it's such a i, I love that it's about teamwork and friendship and understanding each other and just trying really hard and saying no to the apocalypse right something i try to do every day <laughs> words to live by um yeah i i enjoyed it a lot melissa Good. do you want to do recommendations for if people like yeah. pacific rim what else might they like uh you can certainly check out the other works of guillermo del toro i was talking to my mom yesterday and she was saying how she channel surfed into the second half of hellboy and she's like well i've seen hellboy before i like hellboy so i stayed and That's i watched good. the rest of it and it was fun so like if my mom can get in on a movie about a big red devil, what a skilled director we have. Yeah. Yeah. 
A comic book movie, <laughs> indeed. I know most of the Hellboy stuff is very good. The the like uh, TV and movie adaptions and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, wasn't a big fan of the more recent one. We did cover that on uh, the Reactor Core a long time ago when it came out. <laughs> um, but yeah, those like Del Toro movies. I think the animated movies two are pretty decent yeah um so. yeah that's what i've heard i don't think i've seen them yeah uh i would recommend it if you like the visual look of this movie it reminded me a lot of another favorite of mine guardians of the galaxy ah, there you go it's like such lush very saturated colors you know the when they go to the bone slums it reminded me a lot of nowhere the planet mm-hmm. built off of an, a celestial severed head and they're like uh, harvesting the celestial brain fluid that's left in the city's all like neon lights and like crowded seedy yeah. little buildings and just sparks flying from something. Yeah, that's a good one indeed. I I thought you were about to say Valerian and this city of a thousand planets. Oh, yeah, that's a good one too. That's also a movie that's very positive in that it's about like a unified world, like that opening scene where like there's a space station. And it, you see all these different countries arriving at the space station and shaking hands with each other. And then an alien arrives and they shake hands with the alien uh, and all of the galaxies unified. Good stuff. Good feelings. Another movie I watched recently that is the rare, positive, comforting sci-fi movie, much more cerebral, is Contact. Are you familiar with Contact? No, I'm not. I, I'm it's trying from, to bring it up in my mind because I'm sure I've at least heard of it, but I, I, I it's not it, ringing a bell. It's based off a Carl Sagan book, I think. It's directed by Robert Zemeckis. It stars Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey. And the poster is like them in front of these giant, giant uh, you know, uh, satellite dish things that they build out in like the desert. Jodie Foster plays a scientist who's on the search... Basically working for SETI, you know, trying to see if aliens are getting any messages we're receiving, sending us any messages. And she gets a message and the aliens have sent Earth this plan like they're sending them these coded blueprints where this is how you will build a machine to send somebody to talk to us directly. And so they build the machine the entire world comes together to build a machine and they Uh send Jodie Foster and she has a very inspiring conversation with aliens. It was you rarely see a, a sci-fi movie that's that, like, cerebral and intellectual and philosophical that also leaves you feeling good. Cool. Like, oh, we are good people and aliens will come to us and will want to share knowledge with us for the good of both of our societies and not just shoot us with ray guns. Nice. Good yeah. stuff. Good stuff. Any more recommendations? Oh, I think I'm good for now. Cool. Uh, well, like I mentioned, Gundam is a franchise mm-hmm. you should absolutely check out. There is a lot uh, of it. Um, not all of it is connected. There are Gundam shows and Gundam series that are its own thing, but there is a main timeline there. It's called the UC timeline for Universal Century. And that has mm-hmm. the original show and uh, a bunch of the sequels and sh- shows after that. Um, 
that is my favorite timeline in the the whole thing but some of the gundam sh- shows are like what ifs of like hey there's certain uh-huh. thing that ha- certain things that happened in that original t- t- timeline what if it was more destructive and so then this thing happens Mm. and there's there's stuff like that uh i'm a a huge fifth fan of that original timeline i think that is some of the best stuff that the gundam franchise has to offer However, it's kind of an older show. Uh, the original show came out in 1979, so the animation isn't great. Um, mm-hmm. But there, there is a lot there to check out. So if you want something more modern, I suggest Iron-Blooded Orphans, which is a much more modern Gundam series. Uh, and it focuses a lot on child warfare and just like what the the, the effects of that and how that uh, can traumatize those ch- ch- children or radicalize them and stuff like that. Um, it's it's a really really good sh- sh- show. Um, and then I mentioned G Gundam. That one is maybe more similar to what you saw in here of the like, hey, mm-hmm. I I punch and then the giant robot punches uh and stuff like that uh i also mentioned neon genesis evangelion that is absolutely one to check out i highly recommend that show with a caveat that one i think Mm -hmm. you should watch more in the mecha genre as a whole before you watch that one because that show is more it's a like a deconstruction and stuff of that genre in the way that Watchmen is a deconstruction of all the super hero uh stuff there but yeah that that one's that one's good too um I remembered something else I did want to suggest go for it there's there's an audio drama called the behemoth it's a limited Ooh, series. I think it was like 20 episodes, but they were all very short. They're like 15-minute episodes. It's the story of this giant monster. It's a, it's a very interesting take on a kaiju story. This giant behemoth arises out of the Atlantic Ocean, steps on land. People don't know what they're don't know what this monster's doing. It's just walking over and destroying all these things. They're so panicked. And they realize this Monster's not trying to destroy anything. He's just moving, and he's so big that he destroys things in his wake. And the podcast is the audio diary of this high school girl who doesn't fit in in her high school. She's teased. She's lonely. I think her parents are, like, going through a divorce Uh or something like that. I haven't listened to this in several years. But she just leaves everything behind and follows the monster as it walks across the United States from the Atlantic to the Pacific. And there's all the stuff in the background about, you know, the government trying to figure out what do we do about this thing? It, it seems like it's really not that much of a threat, but we have no idea what it's going to do next. Do we just monitor it and let it happen? Do we try and destroy it just to be on the safe side? And then the news picks up. There's this girl who's following him. And then people start like leaving her care packages and things like that. And. It's a it's a S- really interesting stations with water so she can, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a, a fascinating 
quiet, interesting little story. Yeah, listen to the behemoth. That's a good one. That's a good recommendation. Um, yeah, I, 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 th- I think that's about it. I, I, I did mention Neon G- 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 Genesis Evangelion. If you liked that, uh, the c- creator and director of that, uh, I think semi-recently did a take on Godzilla, uh, live-action Godzilla. I think it was entitled Shin Godzilla. uh, Okay. The recent one, I think. Um, But, but yeah, then there's all the recent Godzilla movies and Mm -hmm. Kong and Kong Skull Island and all of that that stuff uh, that's out there. And then just a couple weeks ago, we got the Godzilla versus Kong. King Kong is out there now. So there's plenty of kaiju stuff happening out there as well. Mm -hmm. This movie, I think I like Pacific Rim because it connects to whatever part of me really liked the 90s Godzilla movie with Matthew Broderick, which I can't recommend. I like it, but I have (laughs) no idea why I like it. Like, it's something I think about a lot. I loved this movie when I was like eight years old and I've watched it again as an adult and I don't understand why. It means so much to me, and I can't explain it. Some sometimes you just have a soft spot for, for, yeah. for things like that. I don't think so. it's good, so don't feel like you have to watch it. I, would, I just feel like I should say for the record, this reminds me of that movie. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, I think that's about it for recommendations mm-hmm. for now. Yes. Um, so let's get on to pitches. But yes. before we do that, next week, uh, here's <sighs> what we will be covering. It is the end of the month, which means mm. that uh, we are continuing our coverage of our monthly series, which has been Halt and Catch Fire, the AMC original drama series. Kind of a period piece, mainly yeah. set in like late seventies. No, it starts in nineteen eighty-three. There you go, early eighties. When the computer, the like PC computer boom is just starting, and season four, they're just getting to the internet and been like, "What if we invent the internet?" So I'm excited for that one. That is what we will be covering this next week. Um, And that is the fourth and final season of Halt Mm -hmm. and Catch Fire. Um, So, yeah, I'm real excited about that one. That's what we're doing for next week. However, I have pitches for the week after that. uh, So we can get people excited for that. I have two comics and an anime. Okay. First is a comic. It is The Unwritten. That is what it is entitled. The Unwritten. Mm. And according to Comixology, it says, Tommy Taylor is the boy wizard in a series of fantasy novels that has become a cultural phenomenon. Their popularity has turned the real Tom into a Z-level celebrity. But when evidence 
calls doubt to the real Tom's existence. He's drawn into a literary underworld focusing on the ways fiction affects reality. Mm. Uh, this is the, the first couple volumes of this are on Comixology Unlimited. Um, it is it is written by Mark by Mike Carey with art by Peter Gross. Um, I've heard good things about this and yeah, the basic pitch is like, what if Harry Potter was based on a real person? Mm -hmm. Uh, like how might that affect that real person and call into, into question, uh, his existence and Mm. stuff like that. Like how, how much of these stories are based on real things and stuff like that is magic real is the real person actually a character in another book uh Mm. so who knows with all that stuff that is pitch number one the unwritten i wanted to read volumes one and two okay one and two of the unwritten oh uh speaking of which this reminds me on the thing for volume one there's a testimonial by brian k vaughn who is one of my favorite Mm. creators uh he's been writing saga he created the runaways which is one of my favorite comics he wrote on lost Mm -hmm. uh, which is one of my favorite tv shows he has a testimony on this book which i won't read because that's not what i'm here to say This past week, they announced a live-action Gundam show uh, being directed by Jordan Voigt Roberts, who did Kong Skull Island, uh, and being written, the screenplay is being written by Brian K. Vaughn. Interesting. Uh, So, yeah, an interesting mix there. So be on the lookout for that. It's kind of one of those things that uh, I'll believe it when I see it. Sure. Um. And it was interesting because a lot of things were like uh, the the very first live action Gundam thing. And I was like, uh, uh, uh. no, it is not. <laughs> there has been a live action movie of Gundam before. And we don't speak of it because it was bad. So <laughs> that's why everyone thinks like this is the first one. But I was like, uh-uh. well, 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 actually, uh, <laughs> when is that uh, unspoken of one from? let me You're, let me see you can just give me a ballpark it's, i was just i was just curious if this was some I like don't relic know. of 1986 uh g gundam is a 1999 live action uh television film in the universal century timeline okay it was theatrically released on june 18th 1999 in japan and later uh aired on tv asashi on december 29th 2000 so late 90s early 2000s yeah and i have not seen that one but apparently it was a very bad Hmm. um so that's that but uh just a reminder pitch number one the unwritten yes uh what if harry potter was based on a real boy i'm a real boy pitch number two 
is an anime. Apparently, this is a Chinese mm. anime. Uh, this is available on Netflix, and it is called Scissor 7. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is a strange one. Uh, seeking to recover his memory, a scissor-wielding hair hairdresser, bungling quasi-assassin, stumbles into a struggle for power among feuding factions. I I think the the thing on Netflix describes it as. Uh, this guy is like a failed assassin or like flunked out of his assassin school. Wow. And so he's just like the worst of his his class. Uh, but he sets up a hair, a hair salon as his cover. And the, the art style in this is very unique. It's very fascinating. It doesn't really like. There's nothing really coming to mind of what this reminds me of in in in, in terms of the art style, uh, but it looks a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, I I I think I think I heard them say the f word in there once or <laughs> twice uh, in the like. Okay, I'll be play. So yeah, not necessarily a kid show, but I think I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, so scissor seven hairstyling assassin. Wow. That's what that one is. Uh, pitch number three. I think I've pitched this one once before. I don't remember. Um, this is a comic book by Joshua Williamson. Uh, let me see who's doing the art here on this open and new tab. Comixology mm-hmm. says, written by J- J- Joshua Williamson, art by Andre Bresson uh, and Adri- Adri- Adriano Lucas. Uh, this is entitled Birthright. Okay. Uh, and it says, for the Rhodes family, losing their son was the most de- 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 devastating thing that could have ha- happened. But it couldn't prepare prepare them for what happened when he returned which is very mysterious and ominous but it sounds like he got trapped in some like sword and sorcery realm and i guess like became the prince or the king or something in that fantasy realm and then found his way back to to Earth. So now he is maybe this more Conan the Barbarian type wow. character that has come back to Earth. And I, I don't know if it's like I want to bring my family back or like now I am a king. And so we must conquer Earth. I'm not sure what happens in mm-hmm. this thing. But yeah, uh, it seems like this this inter this interesting uh, action adventure fantasy story. Yeah, um, with that one, and I I like J- J- Joshua Williamson. He's he's written some some books that I enjoy. Um, so I I've I've heard good things with this one, mm-hmm. as well. So pitch number one, the unwritten. Pitch number two, Scissor Seven, and pitch number three, Birthright. And for Birthright, I wanted to read. Um, 
the first three volumes because that's all that there is on comiXology oh, okay. unlimited there is more to the series but i was just like hey, it's the first 15 issues mm. why not just read all that they ha- have um for the unwritten i wanted to read the first two because that covers the first 12 issues uh and for birthright i actually wanted to cover the first two seasons of that show the first one is 14 and the second one is 10 however it seems like they vary uh between like 12 minutes long and 20 minutes long so maybe a little bit shorter on on those ones there so what are you feeling, Melissa? Uh, I want to go with the unwritten. I, I've heard okay. of this somewhere. Yeah, I don't remember when or from who, but I've heard of it. I'm familiar with it, and I would like to actually read the thing. The unwritten. Yeah, I've, I've yeah. heard very good things. Yeah, yeah. This, this seems too. like an interesting, you know, we haven't been in like a fantasy world a little bit, I don't think, and... Yeah. Yeah. A story yeah. about uh, a book being based on you, except maybe it is and maybe it isn't. Sounds like an interesting character mystery. Indeed. And maybe the real you is also inside a book. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's what we will do. Unwritten uh, volumes one and two. We'll be back with that in May in two weeks. Yeah, I don't think we've done any magic this year. I I just mentioned we haven't done much fantasy. Done sci-fi stuff. There's been Pokemon. There's been superheroes. You know, there's been uh, Gotham by Gaslight. That's kind of ghostly. Yeah, I don't think we've just had, like, wizard stuff. Let's do some wizard stuff. Do some good old wizard stuff. That sounds good. Um, yeah, next week, Halt and Catch Fire season four. The week after that, The Unwritten, volumes one and two. But there you go. Uh, Melissa, where can the people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at WilkyWit. That's W-I-L-K-Y-W-I-T. And listen to my other podcast, Saturday Morning Obscurities. Where me and my brother Jams talk about weird old kids shows you feel like only you remember. And our latest episode is on the, uh, <laughs> we have a friend from Canada join us to tell us about the, the fever dream that is Hose Hounds, a cartoon about Dalmatians that supposedly are firefighters. So good. Good stuff. Mm. You guys can find me at Yo Kyle Springer on Twitter. And if you guys want to stay up to date with all the stuff that we do at The Whatnots, we are at The Whatnots on Twitter. Let's go like, share, subscribe. You guys know the deal with that. So we are pushing ever closer to 150 subscribers on YouTube. We're almost there. I think we're at like 142 or something. That's very nice. If you haven't subscribed uh, yet, that would be wonderful to help push us there. If you have some nice words, please go rate and review. That helps us out a ton, especially since we are smaller creators. We would love to get our show uh, out in front of more people. Uh, but yeah, I think that about wraps us up. This has been number 153. 53, yep. Yes, 153 of the Whatnots Review Show. We will see you all next week. Bye. Bye.